Hello and welcome. My name's Jack and welcome to my Nostalgia Podcast. This is Jack's Throwback Attack. My next guest is someone who's been a part of children's television for many years and he's big in the world of sci-fi. From battling Daleks with a baseball bat to teaching us our ABCs and voicing the Beano's most famous character. It's Sophie Aldred. Hello. Hello. Hi there. How are you doing today? Oh, very good, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for taking part. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Um, what I always like to do at the start of every interview is kind of go back to the beginning. And what was your path into getting into acting and presenting? Oh, good question. Well, for some reason, and I don't know really where it came from, I always wanted to be an actress. And when I was about five, I used to put on plays um, and I used to get all the local kids involved and my brother. And then we used to put on plays starring me, directed by me and written by me. Um, not that I'm a megalomaniac or anything. Uh, we used to put them, put them um, uh, we used to have audiences, which is Bond's parents. And we used to charge them six old pence. And then we'd send the proceeds to Blue Peter, to the latest Blue Peter appeal, because I was a huge fan of Blue Peter growing up. And then it just went on from there, really. I used to do lots of stuff at school. Um, I used to write quite a lot of adaptations, Jeff Williams stories, and I did an adaptation of a P.G. Woodhouse story, uh, which won a prize at um, a school drama competition. And then I went to university and did a drama degree. Um, and then after that, um, it was just like, okay, um, I really still want to be an actor, an, an actor. and um, I, I thought, well, I'd better go to drama school, but I never kind of got round to it because I started working for various children's theatre companies and so on, which I absolutely loved. Went touring around, got my equity card singing around working men's clubs um, in, around Manchester. And um, yeah, and so it went on, got myself an agent, um, yeah. And, uh, and that was it, really. Oh, wow, that's uh, quite cool that you just fell into it. And I guess doing the children's theatre became quite useful, really, because, it, it, you know, you went into doing children's television off the back of that. And Doctor Who as well. Um, Doctor Who, of course, the original series, finished 30 years ago this year. I'm sorry if that makes you feel a bit old. but Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> does it feel that long ago or does it just feel like five minutes ago? Oh, it... If you'd said five years ago, I would have gone, yeah, or even maybe 10. But 30 years ago, I just cannot believe it. It's, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> you see, that's the thing with, with Doctor Who. A lot of people saw you in Doctor Who and then saw you in children's television programmes. I'm kind of the other way around because I was born after the old series finished. So I watched yeah. you in all these kids' programmes. Then Doctor Who came back. I started watching the old ones and went, oh. <laughs> that's... <laughs> that's funny. The, yeah, yeah well, it was quite surprised. It, it was funny actually because I, uh, although Doctor Who was the first telly job I, I got um, simultaneously that year in 1987, I auditioned for a children's program called Corners, um, and I I was I lucky enough to get that because I always wanted to be a children's TV presenter based on my memories of Val, John, and Pete on Blue Peter, um, and um, I just sent off random CVs and things to 
to various people, including the BBC. And somebody in the contracts department, um, bless them, they got back in touch with me and said, oh, we're having some general auditions for children's TV, come along. So I did, and I went along and I auditioned in front of the panel of people, um, about four or five producers in children's TV at the BBC. And um, whilst there was nothing, I didn't hear anything then, um, a month or two later, I heard back from one of the producers who said, will you come and audition for a programme called Corners? And what had happened was their, their previous female presenter had gone on to do some theatre and they were looking for somebody to take her place. So I went and auditioned and I did, um, I did a piece and then I, I sang a song and I worked with a puppet um, and I did a make, which I'd always wanted to do because of the sticky back plastic and, uh, in uh, Blue Peter. And um, sure enough, I got the job. And so I got Doctor Who first, and then I got this job on Corners. But then Corners was transmitted before Doctor Who, even though we'd filmed Doctor Who first. So it looked as though I had done the presenting first, but actually Doctor Who was my very first TV. Indeed. And um, I've got two quick questions about Dot Two. First one, um, what was the fondest memory that you have of uh, that time on the show? It was the people working with this amazing bunch of people. And I suppose the first one the, the top of the list is Sylvester McCoy, my doctor, um, who's still one of my greatest friends. Um, and we just clicked from day one. We just knew that we were going to get on and um he says we get on very well because i laugh at all his jokes but then <laughs> i just find him a very funny man and also very um just an he's an incredible man he's forever curious about the world he asks questions about the world he loves people he loves life he just embraces life to the full and that's so infectious to be around and so brilliant and he's got quirky sense of humour, which I love, and he's just always up for, for fun and, and having a great time. And that really, um, that kind of fed through into the, to everybody else surrounding us. So the cast, the crew, um, it was a, a joyous time to work on Doctor Who because everybody was just so happy to be there and wanted to kind of be together. Um, so, yeah, I, I loved going away on location because um, then you really got to know people, and I love, I love getting to know people and finding out all about them. Um, made some very good friends who I'm still in touch with to this day. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful job. Well, that's great to hear. That's really great to hear. And uh, Sylvester does come across as a, a really nice guy and, and perfect for playing the Doctor, really. Um, and, of course, the series has been revived in the last 15 years or so. Lots of characters from the original series have appeared on the revived version. Do you think A should make a return? And how do you feel she would work with Jodie Whittaker's Doctor? Oh, I certainly think she return, of course. Um, I'd love to come back and, and be, be Ace, but be her middle-aged ace, you know, like me, obviously I'd have to do that, um, and find out what happened to her, because she's about the only companion that we never knew what happened to her. At the end of the, the last story, which is called Survival, which is 
uh, quite a dark story, really. Um, Sylvester and I just walked off together through a bush and he had a, a monologue about somewhere the tea's getting cold and come on, Ace, we've got work to do. Um, so I'd love to find out what happened to her. Um, and we've had a chance to do that in the Big Finish audio adventures, which um, which came soon after the series finished. Um, we started doing audio adventures and they're all new material. So I am still playing, uh, still playing Ace. It's incredible to be playing the same character that I was 30 years ago. But it would be nice to come back and see what Ace makes of Jodie Whittaker. Because um, she'd be very surprised, I guess, you know, that that there was this, uh, the Doctor is a, a woman. She'd be very happy, I think. Um, and uh, she'd probably miss the, um, I don't know, the closeness and the sort of avuncular relationship she had with um, with Sylvester's Doctor. Um, but I think I, I, it would be, it'd be great to see what had happened to Ace in the intervening years. Most definitely, that'll be something. That's something that needs to happen. Really, they need to uh, have a think and write that in at some point. Um, but uh, so we'll move on to some of the children's television programs. You mentioned Corners. Uh, there's a few others as well which I want to uh, touch upon um, that you did over the years. Um, a lot of people um, fondly remember watching Melvin and Maureen's Musicograms. Oh, Was yeah, that my husband fun? says that's my the best thing I ever did. <laughs> um, it was such fun I mean you can tell that I fun is a big theme in my life and um I don't think I've ever laughed so much in my life as we did in rehearsals for Melvin and Maureen because um everybody again it was a small team and it was a brilliant team of people uh we were really good friends so the producer Alison Stewart um the guy who played Melvin Matthew Devitt we had Jonathan Cohen of um Play Away and Play and um, Play School fame, um, and then all the people around us as well. There were other great directors who came on board. Um, Kay Benbow, who ended up being the, the head of um, uh, CBBS, um, and yeah, just just again having such fun because we were creating. That the writer was Simon Davis, who'd been um, uh, on Corners with me, so I knew him very well. Um, he knew he was a very funny guy and he knows how to write very good character stuff as well. So um, it was a dream of a part, really. And when I first got the script, I didn't really know what she'd be like. And I came into rehearsals and um, the costume designer, who was this wonderful woman, um, she came up to me and she said, now, I've spoken to my daughter, who was probably about seven or eight at the time, about what she thinks Maureen should wear. And she said, um, high heels, polka dot skirt, and, um, you know, sort of mad clothes. And so that's what we went for. And we went and raided the BBC costume department and found all these great, mad clothes from there. And, and she put them all together in wild ways. And then the uh, makeup department was just forever doing my hair in sort of you know, beehives and plaits and all sorts and giving me um, amazing makeup. And so that really kind of gave me a brilliant start off for the character, this kind of slightly bossy, controlling, but very kind of lovable character. 
and Matthew and I just got on again so well. Um, yeah, we 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 just spent most of our time rehearsing, crying with laughter. It was fantastic. That's great to hear. That's really nice to hear. And uh, of course, uh, Melvin and Mormon's Musical Grams was was quite an educational show and, and for preschool children. Is that um, kind of why you went on to do other educational shows such as Words and Pictures? Yes, I've always I've always had a passion for um, working with and for children. Um, you know, I'd been in educational children's theatre and children's theatre in general. That was my grounding, really. Um, and so it was just brilliant to be involved in a programme which was a uh, fun, and then with words and pictures, um, educational, and also. Um, I think I'd, I'd I'd probably have been a teacher if I if I hadn't have been an actress, and um, I have done a bit of teaching actually in recent years. And I think anything that can help teachers, anything that can support teachers, um, is just such um, a, a, a great thing to be doing. Um, and I I loved my work on words and pictures. I I did quite a few series of that. Um, in, all in different places with different people but it just felt like I was doing something that was making a difference for, for people as well which I think ulti- ultimately is what we want to do as human beings you know we want to we want to help people if we can um, and we want to make a difference to them and that was my way of, of um, fulfilling that you know that within myself as well. Most definitely. And to this day, I still sit there and think, how did the magic pencil work? I think that's one of life's great mysteries. It's magic. It, well, yes, it is. It is, it is magic, of course. <laughs> Silly me. Um, uh, there was another preschool show as well that I remember, and not as many people do because it was on satellites and not on the terrestrial channels, but Tiny and Crew. Ah, yeah. That was um, interesting with that big furry character. The person who was inside that suit must have been very hot and very exhausted at the end of every day. Yeah, shout out to Rebecca Clough, who was inside that costume. <laughs> and she was, a, she was a trooper. She never, ever complained. And uh, just was, yeah, she was totally brilliant. Um, yeah, that came about because um, I was doing the preschool output on um, uh, the children's channel. Um, and funnily enough, that came about because um, I'd, I lived in Blackheath. I grew up in Blackheath and down the road from us lived um, a woman called Carol Chell, who was one of the presenters on Play School for many, many years. And I loved her. I thought she was brilliant. She she worked a lot with the great Brian Kant, um, who was uh, another great presenter on Play School. Um, and Carol, I used to babysit for Carol. And then when I did things like drama school auditions, um, uh, Carol helped me prepare those. And then she, um, I, I didn't know, but she became the sort of producer director of all the children's program outputs on um, TCC or the children's channel, it was originally known. And she decided that she was, she would actually, she'd like to stop doing that. So she just said to me, do you want to take over from me and, and present the show? And I did. And they were kind of quite straightforward, a bit quite uh, like, play school or uh, one of the older um the older uh programs like that and then after I'd done that for a while um there was a sort of revamp and um the children's channel became TCC and they wanted me to play 
a much much more sort of character based part. So um, we were doing the little inserts between the cartoons and things like that. And then so we did a wonderful thing called it's Joyby time. And the Joybies were two little puppets called Dreeb and Droib. And they were played by my wonderful friends, um, Marcus and Helena, who um, have a company called Hands Up Puppets. And they are so creative and brilliant. Um, and the idea was that we were on a, a spaceship called the Ratcan Rocket. And I played this character called Sophie Socket. And I had a little song which went, My name is Sophie Socket. I'm in the Ratcan Rocket. There's something in my pocket. Can you guess what it is? And I would have something ostensibly in my pocket every day, which I would bring up from under the counter. And everybody had to guess. And we pretended that we could hear the audience guessing. Um, and then Dreeb and Droid, the two puppets. I remember Marcus particularly would say crazy things like, have you got a fire engine in your pocket, Sophie Socket? And one day he said, is this an, is this an accountant, Sophie Socket? <laughs> anyway, um, that was all to put me off because it was all recorded as live and kind of improvised. And one day I had a mouse in my pocket, a real mouse. And I took this mouse up out of the, off the counter and I was having to hold this poor mouse and to hold onto it so it didn't run off uh, with this sort of live link. It was biting my fingers and I was having to sort of pretend that everything was fine. So yeah, that was great fun. And then uh, that finished. And then we started doing Tiny and Crew. And they invented this character called Tiny, who is not Tiny, who is a Wigosaurus, as you said, in a massive furry blue suit. And, um, and we got up to all sorts of things. And then and, um, there were the dog and Arabella as well, who were these two other puppets. Um, it, was, it was a great time. Again, brilliant people, fabulous cast and crew, wonderful producers, um, a lot of whom I'm still in touch with today. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And, of course, as well, you were thrust into the world of presenting live Saturday morning television on WOW with Simeon Corti. Um, was that really scary to do when you first did that? Because it was all live, it was all a bit new? Um, well, I had done... I'd done as live um, on, you know, uh, the Children's Channel for such a long time that it actually... It, it was actually just sort of like... It didn't... It, it was bigger, um, and it was tricky for me because... Um, because I was doing words and pictures, and I think TCC as well, I was recording in the week, and then I was I couldn't get down to Maidstone where we recorded well until the Friday night. So I had to be briefed very quickly, but I wasn't actually at any of the rehearsals. So for me, it was like just you know just like throwing myself on there and just getting on with it, um, and um, and that was just such a great education in live telly and um uh and of coping with anything that happens and for example our very first show um there there was a power cut down at the Maidstone studios um and we had Peter Andre flying in by helicopter so we had to go ahead um and they managed to get a generator up and working and we went outside so that we wouldn't need lighting and we um, interviewed Peter Andre outside in the car park um, of the Maidstone Studios. 
Um, so yeah, we, it was it was a brilliant education in dealing with everything that came your way. But you see, the thing is, you're not alone when you're presenting um, a live show. You've got a team of highly experienced people who are there. You're the mouthpiece, but there's the team behind you who are all making it happen. So you just know that it's it's going to work. Most definitely. Uh, the joys of uh, live television, I guess. And of course, like you said, that was filmed at Maidstone. That was a media merchants. Um, you did a lot of work with the media merchants, including one of my most favourite shows of all time, Zap. You were Mini the Mini Magician for the last three years of the show. Was that good fun? Because there was a lot of clowning around in that involved. Oh, it was great fun. Really good fun, yes. And um, it was lovely because by that time... Um, Neil Buchanan, who I'd worked with on It's a Mystery as well, we presented, a, I did the first series of that with him. Um, and we were great friends, and um, Tim as well, who was part of Media Merchants. And so when they asked me to, to do Zap, I was absolutely thrilled. Um, and um, yeah, just creating this path of Mini the Mini Magician. I've always loved physical comedy. Um, I think it must, I must have been influenced by Sylvester as well. Um, and it was lovely to play a character who was just so different from me and not me at all and not do and not well not learn any lines for a start no dialogue it was all in the physical and I've always enjoyed that so um the the camera effect as well when we when with the magic you know when we disappeared stuff lining up all the shots and it again it was the same crew that I've been working with on um, Tiny and Crew, because we did that in Maidstone, and on Wow, and on It's a Mystery. So we all knew each other very, very well. And I think that that's a real key. It's becoming a theme, isn't it, really, in what I'm saying. When you know the people and trust them and you, you're having fun together, then you can kind of literally make magic, you know, make really great TV, I think. Um, and um, And that really worked for me, um, to be in a community of people who were really um, having a lovely time together, getting on really well together and who were very highly professional, really knew what they were doing, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and like the shows that the media merchants came out, we've certainly came across that way. I mean, I loved Art Attack and, and Zap. As well. Zap was my all-time favourite. I mean, just looked so great on screen. I mean, that, that flying comic, you know, the, with the yeah. characters waving. That looked really cool, that did. The merchants just would come up with brilliant ideas and um, execute them in a really great way. There was a brilliant team of um, artists and um, graphics people behind the show as well who were, were very talented creatively. Um, and that, that was a, a huge plus for them. That's really nice to hear. The uh, media merchants, as I said, did some wonderful shows uh, back in the day. And there are a few more questions I want to squeeze in about Zap because it was my all-time favourite show when I was growing up. And the first thing I want to know is, was that big orange frizzy wig really uncomfortable to wear? Because it looked really itchy. So the wig, do you know, I think the thing is, it wasn't so bad. I'll tell you what was the difficult thing was the heat. Um, and I was actually wearing a fat suit for it. So um, I had to kind of, like, it was very sweaty. Um, so I had to sort of take quite a lot of breaks in between to just sort of sit down and um, sit and breathe in my in my big suit that I was wearing underneath the costume. Um, and um, so, yeah, I can't remember the wig 
being that bad. I mean, you just get used to it as an actor. You get used to being hot, uncomfortable, and being asked to do crazy things. But you just do it because somehow, I don't know, you just uh, forget um, the uncomfortableness if you're, you know, it's just like, it's just what we do. And can you remember any of the sketches you did? Do any of them stick out as a favourite? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember any in particular. Um, but I, what I loved about it, as I said before, was that we did a lot of split screens and that was really good fun. The technical side of it, you know, the sort of working out how to put a flower pot there and then have it disappear or um, and having to freeze in exactly the same position while they sort of took a freeze frame of the, of the picture and then carrying on with the action. That was great to do all the technical stuff. Yeah, that was brilliant. Did you provide the voice to Minnie, the gibberish? Uh, yes, I did. I did. Thought that was so. great fun. <laughs> yes, I did provide the voice. Um, yes, we went in afterwards. When, when it had all been edited together, so when the magic had been done and the, um, everything else, I went back down to Maidstone and went into their dubbing suite and um, and put on the, you know, the, the, the voice. And I'm really glad they asked me to do that because um, it was great because it meant that I got to see them all as well. And um, and it's really nice to, to actually provide your own voice for your own character. There's something complete about it in a way. Most definitely. And it's thank you for answering those questions because it was my most favourite show growing up. Oh, um, that's great. I'm so pleased to hear that. And one of the cool things as well, which I thought about when I was doing some research last night, is that when you were doing Zap, one of the people introducing the, the shows on CITV, doing the bits in between the programmes, was Arthur Darville, who ended up being in Doctor Who years no, later. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, under his real name, Tom. Yeah, yeah, he did. Really? Was he in the? Was he in the? Um, not the broom cupboard, but the. No, the Birmingham Studios, CITV in, in Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, that's funny. Oh, well, I know Arthur. You know, we've come <laughs> across each other at comic cons and various things. Lovely, lovely guy. Very talented musician as well. Most definitely, yes, he did. He did. He used to present CITV alongside Steve Mulhern and all those um, back in the early 2000s. Then he disappeared off TV for years and then he came back on Dot Who. So a big career jump. <laughs> wow, how amazing. I never knew that. There you go. I've taught you something there. So we'll kind of move on quickly to um, like more recent things. I know that you do a lot of voices in a lot of children's television programmes. I mean, talk about a few of those, such as like Dennis Semenis, Tree Food Tom, uh, Bob the Builder, I believe. Yes, I, I did the voice for American Bob the Builder for Muck the Orange Digger, hmm. uh, which was great fun because they wanted to, they wanted her to be a woman in America, um, and then Dennis and Nashi. Yes, I played Dennis, which was wonderful because I'm a huge fan of the Beano, so um, that was great fun. And my sons, my two sons who were small at the time, they came in um, and they were allowed to provide sound effects um, of burping. <laughs> and that, was, that made their day. I mean, it was just amazing. They were recorded burping on <laughs> on Dennis and Nasha. Um, yeah, that was great. And again, wonderful people working. I was working with Bob Golding, Theresa Gallagher, Joe Wyatt and Rob Braxtor. What an amazing, talented cast of, of people that they were. And a lovely American director, Frank. He, it, it, we, we, again, had a great time. Hard work. We were... Um, we were, and especially doing that voice, 
because um, it's quite um, uh, like, you know, it's full energy all day um, with a with a voice that's not in my register. So when you're doing a character like that, it, 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 it can be quite hard on the voice. Um, and then Tree Through Tom, um, that was that was amazing. I, I was Tom in Tree Through Tom. And when I first went in on the first day, to I saw the um, the drawings of the character because they hadn't they were creating the um, the animation from what we like with Dennis and Nasher as well uh, from what we were recording, and um, I said, "Oh, that looks a bit like my oldest son." And the producer said, "Oh, really? We're looking for a live boy to be at the beginning and the end of the credits and the titles for each show." would he like to audition? And I went home and asked him and he said, oh, all right, then, you know, I'll go and have a go. And then nobody knew that he was my son. My, my husband took him um, and he auditioned and uh, he got the part. So that is my real life son, aged about 11, at the beginning and the end of each show. Um, he's now 19 and uh, <laughs> he, he has it posted on Facebook on, on birthdays to embarrass him by various friends. <laughs> and I do, and I do the voice, and it was again a wonderful job. Um, I'm still in touch with the producer, and of course, David Tennant was the first twig, um, who's a funny little. I, it, it amused me that he was playing my sidekick, um, and uh, and so that was a great Doctor Who connection. Um, and then, um, and then after that, Mark Bonner, who um, uh, after the first series, Mark Bonner became Twigs, and. Um, uh, just again, I mean, I'm so fortunate working with such talented people, such lovely, nice people as well. Great producer, brilliant, um, brilliant, brilliant um, uh, sound engineers and um, directors. And there's um, a guy called Dave Peacock, who who um, is the director and sound engineer on a lot of um, animations. You'll see his name on on the credits of loads of programs. He is a genius, amazing guy. Um, and I love working with him. I've done several things with him. So yeah, just I'm incredibly fortunate to have worked with brilliant people, talented people, have learned such a lot from people and, um, and nice people as well and had a lot of fun along the way. It's really great to hear and appreciate you sharing all these memories today. Um, so to wrap up, um, what's the next big project on the cards for Sophie Aldred? Ah, well, um, there's a couple of things that I'm not allowed to mention mm-hmm. yet. Um, and then there's um, one thing which is um, a kind of a spin-off, a character um, from Colin Baker's era of Doctor Who called Phil, who was a much-loved kind of roguish villain. Um, played by the amazingly talented Nabil Saban. And um, there's a script written by Philip Martin, who um, was the person who originated the character. Um, and we've, we've done it as a DVD. It's called Phil and the Devil Seeds of Arador, and it's coming out in November. Um, and there's a couple of screenings for that. Um, so I'm playing a very different character. I'm playing a character called Mistress Nar. Um, who is a sort of, well, basically a lot of prosthetics and makeup. I was in the makeup chair for at least two hours um, every day with, with um, having my prosthetics and makeup done. 
and you have to watch it to see. It's it's an incredible job they did on me. Um, highly uncomfortable, and um, I I really wanted to see what it was like for people who worked with prosthetics and had to go through this. And um, it was it was again great though, really good experience working with some wonderful people. Um, so that's coming out in November. Um, so yeah, and in the meantime, lots more voice voice work, and um, I, I never quite know what what's going to be coming up because. It, that's one of the beauties of being an actor. I mean, one of the one of the uh, the worrying things is, of course, that you're always thinking, "Oh no, when am I going to get my next job?" And one of the most wonderful things is that the uh, phone or text or email can come in any time that says, "Would you like to do so and so?" And you do. Sophie, it's been great to hear all these memories, and it's it's wonderful to hear that you know you're still uh, enjoying it and still um, having a lot of fun along the way. And of course, you're appearing at a lot of conventions all over the UK and across the world as well, which people can see you at as well. And oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and if anyone wants to um, keep up to date with your activities, you can be found on social media. Yes, absolutely. I, I try and get on social media from time to time. I usually have a flurry, and then I forget about it for a while. So forgive me, I'm not one of these people who. <laughs> keeps up with it brilliantly but I will try and let everybody know what I'm doing Fantastic stuff Well Sophie it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today Oh it's my pleasure it's really great to chat to you and thank you for being interested and uh, asking such great questions No problem at all, thank you Thank you for listening, if you enjoyed that why not check out the other podcast interviews available, until next time see you soon